Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, I'm so thrilled to jump into the Word tonight. The title of my message is Better Than You Thought. Turn to the girl next to you and say, it's better than you thought. Better than you thought. Online, it's better than you thought. Joplin girls, it's going to be better than you thought. We are going to camp out in an obscure place in Scripture, which is 1 Samuel 9. And we're going to talk a little bit about part of the life and call of Saul. But as we talk about him, we're not going to talk about him because he was just this amazing ruler and leader. But there's some truths from this story that I felt by the Spirit of God that we're supposed to clothe us tonight. I know many of us are on Instagram, and there's different people that we follow, and or our friends wearing something, and we say, send me the link. Or there's someone that you get ready with, you know those get ready with me videos? And they're like washing their face, and then they're showing you what their like vitamin C drops are, and where they got their pants, and they're telling you how the pants, if they run too big, or if they run small, they're telling you the, which sweatshirt they're wearing, and we're watching, and we're like, okay, I need that. Oh, I didn't realize that was on sale. And we're like, send me the link, send me the link, send me the link. But as we dress ourselves, it's so important that we dress ourselves in God's word. And that is our most important garment because those garments are going to be the things that help us walk in strength, that give us integrity, that give us confidence, that give us peace, that help us sleep at night. And so when we're clothed in his word, we see ourselves differently. We can be scrolling and not get depressed. We can be scrolling and not feel like my life isn't as amazing as that life when we are dressed in his holy garments. And this night is about dressing you in his holy clothing so that you can see yourself the way that he sees you and so that you can color your world. So when you get those, those fun little lightsaber color bars that we have, let me see them, wave them at me. Those, you can bring those with you in life. So when the school year starts, girls, Put that in your backpack and let it be a reminder that this is a year set apart by God that I'm going to color my world. When my friends are gossiping, I'm going to wave out my little thing and I'm going to say, you don't know her, you don't know her life, so be nice. When you're at a play group and you feel your child accidentally bites another child, <laughs> which happens, my kids did that, true story. You're going to remember that I'm going to color my world and I'm going to pray for that sweet little toddler and ask for forgiveness. When you walk in the doctor's office and you're dreading a report, number one, we're going to pray and believe God for a miracle. But number two, even in the doctor's office, you're going to color your world. You're going to be nice to the person checking you in. You're going to pray for the people sitting by you and you're going to believe God for the miraculous. First Samuel 9. I'm going to set up the story. So Samuel, Saul, his dad, his name was Kish, and he had two donkeys that were missing. And so he said to his son, I need you and I need a servant to go find these animals. So I'm sending you out. He didn't give him a map. You know, sometimes when you're on a mission or on assignment, sometimes you don't have a map and sometimes you're just driving and just trying to wing it. That's what was happening. His dad didn't spell it out. He didn't say, okay, first you're gonna turn right, then you're gonna turn left, then you're gonna go past this mountain, then you're gonna go past this hill. He just said, I trust you, go find it. And sometimes in life, it's the same way. God says, I trust you. I trust you to be a light where it's dark. I trust you to stand in the gap. 
I don't have a blueprint or a manual or five steps how to stand in the gap. I just need you to be present and I need you to show up. So Samuel sends him out. Or Saul's dad sends him out and he says, go find these animals. We're gonna pick up the story in verses six, seven, and eight. So here he is, Saul with the servant. But the servant replied, look in the town, because they couldn't find them. They went from place to place to place. They didn't have maps, Google Maps. They didn't have ways. The scriptures at the beginning talk about the different places that they searched and they still could not find the animals. So his, the servant who's with them says, I have an idea. He says, look, in this town, there's a man of God. He is highly respected and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. When you are rolling with people, it is important to consider who you are rolling with. Because he was traveling with the right servant, that servant said, let's go get some wise counsel. Let's go get some wisdom. Let's talk to someone who has a proven track record. So when you're in school and you're dealing with anxiety and fear, you don't want to go to another friend who's dealing with anxiety and fear. You want to go to a small group or a connect group and you want to go to your youth leader because they've gone before you, they fought battles ahead of you, and you want to say, please help me walk out this anxiety and fear. When you're going through a marriage crisis, you want someone who's like a servant, a servant friend who's by your side that doesn't say, you need to leave that jerk. You need someone that says, I'm gonna fast and pray. We're gonna get wisdom. We're gonna get wise counsel. We're gonna talk to someone who has a proven track record. We're not gonna leave church. We're not gonna walk in shame. We're gonna fight this battle together because I see a breakthrough coming your way. That's how we're supposed to roll. And that's how this servant was. All throughout these scriptures, you're gonna see this servant just pop off at the right time to set Saul straight. So he was a good friend, and who you go on the journey with matters. Tell the girl next to you, it matters. Verse seven, Saul said to the servant, but if we go, what can we give this man? The food in our sacks are gone. Our protein bar is gone. Our chicken is gone. Say gone, it's gone. We have no gift to take the man of God. What do we have. And I feel like sometimes we find ourselves even today in our families, in our schools, in our communities wondering, what do I have? I have nothing else to give. I've given my all. I have nothing left. What do I have? And because he had the right person with him who was in his ear when he felt like he had nothing, who you have with you when you feel like you have nothing, when you feel like all hope is lost, who by your side makes all the difference. That's why we have nights like tonight, so that you can meet sisters who can cheer you on in the storm, who can pray for you, who can speak life over you, who can whisper in your ear the right thing. So here we go, because he was with the right person. Verse eight, here's the servant again. The servant answered him again, look, and underline that word, look. He said, I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God so he will tell us the way to take because they're trying to find these animals and they need wisdom on how to find these animals. And he said, look, yes, our food is gone, but I have this little quarter of a shekel. And when I was reading that, the word look just jumped out at me on the page. And I feel like God is saying to each and every one of you, 
even when you feel like you have nothing, I feel like he is saying, look, my provision is all around you. Even when you feel like all hope is lost, I feel like he's saying, look, I have a plan and purpose for your life. Even when you feel like, how am I gonna start the school year with um, new friends because I felt like I had to leave my old friends behind? He's gonna say, look, I'm gonna send you a cutie little sister who's gonna come to, come to you with school and walk this journey out. When you walk into the doctor's office, he's gonna say, look, I have provision, I have a plan, and I have a purpose. And as I was praying for our night tonight, I told, felt like God said, look with fresh eyes. Look at this upcoming school year with fresh eyes. Look at your finances with fresh eyes and say, God, help me to be scrappy. I want to go on a date night and I feel like I don't have enough budget. Help me get on Poshmark, that little site. I'm going to sell those sweaters that I'm not even wearing anymore. Look, be scrappy. I love a scrappy girl, a greedy girl. If there's something you have your eye on and you don't have the budget yet to buy it, just look and pray. That's what I do. Sometimes I stalk things and I'll just watch it and I'll say, you're going to be mine one day. And then before you know it, it goes on sale because I'm looking. Leaders of businesses and companies, you feel frustrated because you feel like your staff is not getting it. You feel like you're alone in meetings. I feel like God is saying, look around you. I have an answer right in front of your eyes. So when you go back to the office on Monday, he's saying, look, mom of a newborn, where you're not sleeping, where you're not showering, and you have spit up and poop all over you, and you don't feel like you can even lock eyes with your husband because you're too tired. God is saying, look, I'm going to give you a second win to remind your husband that you're obsessed with him, to remind him that you have not forgotten about him, to remind him that you're praying for him. He's saying to go home and look. Single girls, where are my single girls at? Look, you're not alone. Look around you. Look at these seas, sea of girls who are walking through the exact same season that you're walking in. And on Sunday, come to church with fresh eyes. Ask your leader, show me where to look. <laughs> but don't look in anybody's DMs. Don't be sliding into DMs, single girls. He's saying, look again. This reminds me of this story in 2 Kings with Elijah, chapter four, verses one and two. He was talking with a widow who thought she had nothing, and he taught her to look again. Sometimes we're walking past miracles, and God is saying, approach your life with fresh eyes and look again. Second Kings 4, one, two, it's a blueprint right here. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elijah, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. She's desperate. She's thinking her sons are going to go into slavery. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Translation, he's saying, look, your miracle is right in front of you. Girls at home, look, your miracle is right in front of you. But her response, like all of us, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except for a small jar of olive oil. And Elijah told her that to go to her neighbor's house. And I love that that miracle that happened in her life happened in community. And she had to ask a neighbor. I was just talking to a new mom the other day, and I said, don't try to be a superhero. Ask your friends for help. Don't do motherhood alone. And so he said to go to your neighbor. The neighbor had jars, and the oil kept multiplying. But she had to look with what she had with fresh eyes. Everybody say, look. 
Continuing the story from 1 Samuel 9, verses 10 through 14. I just think it's so beautiful how God, sometimes we are so distracted by what we don't have, we forget what we do have. And there are some things that you're supposed to go home to tonight, and you're supposed to look with fresh eyes. Some of you are believing God for a new home because you don't love the home that you live in. And God is saying, I need you to look and love this home that you have. I need you to go to Target when you can, get a new pillow, put it on your couch, get a new mug, and look differently. He is going to provide for you. Those of you that have a big family and you feel like you can't manage the things that are going on in your family while also leading your business, God is saying, look, I have a jar of oil for you. I have solution for you. I'm going to multiply your time. You just press into me. You just trust me and just look. Turn to the girl next to you and say, look, baby. So the guys, they continued on their journey because they're looking for these animals. And as they're on their way, the Bible talks earlier in this chapter about how Saul was handsome. He stood above everyone else. And it's so funny because as they're on their way to look for these animals, they run into some girls. So I'm just imagining him handsome, just so, just, you know, fresh and clean. And then they're looking for these animals. And then these cutie girls come up and they're like, oh, what you doing here? We were just here to draw some water. But really, they're just trying to bump into a cute boy. Do you ever like find yourself sometimes? I remember when I was falling in love with my husband and I liked him first. And I noticed him, I think, before he noticed me. So I was looking for ways to bump into him. And I had found out that he had just came back from a missions trip. So I decided, I was like, I'm just going to bump into him and just casually say, hey, tell me about your time in India. I would love to hear more about your time with India. In India, he was a cute guy. And I was looking and I was hoping that I could have an interaction with him. Finally, he woke up because he was so in love with Jesus that he decided not to date, which is so beautiful. And find you a man that is like not distracted by you flirting with him. That's the kind of man you want. Because I was sending him all the messages, but he was so focused on Jesus, so focused on school and basketball, he was not distracted by me looking at him. So these girls bump into these guys and they say, we're trying to find these animals. Can you help us find these animals? Because we're trying to find the prophet. Do you know where the prophet is? And they said, the prophet, and I'm paraphrasing, you can read it later. The prophet is about to be at a big meal. There's going to be this big feast, but the people are not going to bless the food. They're not going to eat until he gets there. But if you go to this feast, you will run into him. So that God sends them someone to give them directions on the way. And the beautiful thing about this is who they're going to go see already knows that they're coming. Go with me to verse 15. Now the day before Saul came to the Lord, now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. And I'm just going to stop there for a second. So like I said, we have three kids. We have Grayson, Parker, and L. And two out of our three kids are adopted. And when we were on the adoption journey, I remember working with an agency who helped us with our beautiful son, who's now 12. But when we were believing God to adopt, it took longer than we thought. It was harder than we thought. You would think because we're a couple that wants a child that just like, boom, that it just happens that way. But it took two and a half years. And it was very stressful. It was very heartbreaking. I would think that we were going to have a baby. Then it wouldn't work out. Then I'd think we're going to have another baby. And it didn't work out. And so finally, I called our adoption agency. And I said, you know what? I feel like in this season, it's breaking my heart too much to bond with someone, only to find out that I'm not picked. 
And so I said, please don't call me until I'm picked. Because I just come off of a journey where I thought I was picked. And I don't know if that's you tonight where you thought you were picked for, for something. You thought something was going to happen and then it fell through. So that's what happened to us. We thought we were getting a phone call that our baby had been born, but instead we were getting a phone call that we weren't picked. And so our hearts were broken. Our hearts were heavy. And so that's when I called the agency and I said, you know what, in the future, just tell me when it's time. I just can't do this anymore. It's just breaking my heart. Fast forward to we drove to Dallas to pray because our hearts were so heavy. In that drive to Dallas is when God gave us a burden for Dallas. So we were going because we had heartbreak, but God was sending us there because he had a church in his heart. These guys were going to look for animals, but God was sending them there to affirm the call of God on their life. So when you're in a time when you do not feel picked, when you feel forgotten, when you feel misunderstood, be expectant because that is a season that is ripe for miracles. And so fast forward to before we knew it, we got out of the blue phone call. We had a suddenly moment and the adoption agency called us and said, guess what? You were picked a long time ago, but you told us not to tell you. Now get on a plane and go meet your son. God has picked you. He has not forgotten you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And so now the day before Saul came, the Lord revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people for their cry has reached me. So these guys thought that they were looking for donkeys, but they were bumping into the call of God on their lives. Sometimes it's in the mundane. It's in the faithfulness. It's in the thing that seems so little. It seems like minuscule. It seems not fancy. It seems not Instagrammable. Those moments of your life that are not for Instagram are the moments where God is preparing you for a miracle. God is getting your family ready. He's getting your heart ready. You think that you're lost, but really you're found. You think that you're not seen, but really you're seen. You think he's forgotten, but he actually has a supernatural plan and purpose for your life. The fact that you came here online and in the room is proof that you know that God still proves miracles. It's it's proof that you know that God is not done. It's proof that you're hungry for just a little bit more. It's proof that you will search and look for those donkeys until you bump into the prophet. It's proof that you will stay up, that you will pray, that you will worship until heaven falls down in your home. It's proof that until that breakthrough comes for your company, you're going to stay planted, you're going to stay locked in, and you're going to trust God for a miracle. So they find him. They bump into him. They take the advice of the girls and they run into him at this meal. And they run into him and you can read this later and at first they don't even recognize him. Ask God to help you recognize a miracle when it's right in front of you. You can be looking a miracle in the eye and miss out on it. These guys bumped into the prophet, didn't even realize he was the prophet. Verse 19, so he introduced himself. He was like, allow me to introduce myself. Verse 19, I am the seer, Samuel replied, because he said, do you know where the prophet is? And he's like, the prophet's right here. I am the seer, Samuel replied, go up ahead of me to the high place. For today you're to eat with me, and in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. When I was reading that, I felt like God said, tell the girls, I know all that's in their heart. I know every care, I know every concern, 
I know every problem. I know every dream. I know every worry. I know the things that you write in your journal. I know the things that keep you up at night. I know the dreams that you haven't shared with anyone yet. I know all that is in your heart. And I have not forgotten you. I have not forgotten your family. I have not forgotten the promises that I have for you. I have not forgotten the dreams that I placed in your life. I think sometimes as we walk this life out, we feel like, God, if you only knew. And he's saying tonight, girls, I know all that concerns you. Every single little detail from the things that you think are so small that I'm not going to bother God with that to the things that you think are too big, I'm embarrassed to say. I just need you to know he cares about it all. He cares about every single layer and detail of your life. He cares about what school you're going to go to. He cares about the cheerleading squad that you want to try out for. He cares about the soccer team. He cares about your company. He cares about your friends. He cares about your neighbors. He cares about your health. His loving and kindness is so in this room. He's so present and he just wants to hold you so close and say, girl, I care. I'm in this with you. I know what's on your heart. And that's what the prophet said to Saul. Verse 20. And he also is here to remind him of the call of God on his life. And he said, I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hopes. And I felt like saying to you, James River Sisterhood, you and your family are the focus of this world's hope. God has his hand on you. He has his hand on this church. There's no mistake that you're here. There's no mistake that you call this church home. God has his hand on this church. The miracles that are happening, the breakthroughs that's happening, the revival that's happening, it's because he's called you. And you bring that revival not just when you're here. You bring it to your schools. You bring it to your families. You bring it on a family reunion. You bring it to a doctor's office. You bring it to a play group. You bring the revival that you experiencing here. You bring it everywhere you go. I love this. He says, I'm here to tell you that your family, you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hope. So this is Saul's response. Verse 21. Saul answered with an excuse, which just like we do, but am I not? Am I not good enough? But am I not a Benjamite from the smallest like, don't you know my life is the smallest? Don't you know that I'm not influential? Don't you know that I don't have anything to rejoice about? Don't you know that if people really knew my story, that they wouldn't want to be near me? Don't you know that I'm discounted? Don't you know that that business that I started is making no money? Don't you know? But am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? And I feel like some of you tonight, when we're reminding you through worship, through Pastor Debbie, through Pastor Savannah, through the team here, this whole night is a love letter to you. But I think some of us have a wall on our heart and we're saying, but you don't know me. You say you love me, but you don't love me. But I just want you to know that we do love you because it's the Father's love. And he's using this church in these moments to remind you that his love for you is vast. It's big. It's great. And he sees you exactly where you are. So stop discounting yourself. Stop settling. Stop telling yourself and looking in the mirror saying that I'm not good enough, that I'm not worth it, that I can't do it. Don't do what Saul did because this attitude that Saul had, it carried with him through all of his leadership. And it's actually the very thing that took him out. 
He didn't see himself how God saw him. So I wonder when he got ready that day, when he was getting ready to see the prophet, or when he stepped into leadership later on, you'll see in chapter 10 and beyond, he kept on the old clothes and didn't put on the new clothes that God had for him. He was always walking in a disguise. And I felt like I saw some girls here tonight that God wants to clothe you in new holy garments and he wants you to stop wearing a disguise, stop hiding out, stop slipping in and stop slipping out, stop dumbing yourself down, walk in the potential and the call that God has for you. This is holy ground, this is fertile soil, your potential, your dreams, your future spouse, your business partner is in this room and online, so don't shrink back, don't be an imposter, don't do what Saul did. Later on, he disguised himself, went to a person that wasn't even a prophet and tried to get bad advice because he did not step into this moment. He kept putting on the wrong garment. Go with me to verse 22. So he's with, this is Samuel and Saul together in the sermon, in the um, servant. Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited. So imagine that this was a Taylor Swift concert and they had backstage passes or a Beyonce concert. They got into the upper, upper room. Then Samuel, so I know that they're wondering like, wait, we're dirty, we're sweaty, we're just looking out for animals. We've been out for a minute and we're getting asked by Samuel to go into the Holy of Holies to sit by him. Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in number. So it was an intimate party. Samuel said to the cook, bring the piece of meat I gave you, the one I told you, I told you to lay aside. Highlight that word, lay aside. So they're at this dinner and he says, hey, grab that plate, the special plate, the plate that I said to lay aside. Verse 24, and this is the word that I felt like God spoke to each of you. So the cook took up the thigh, which was, which was on it, and set it in front of Saul. Samuel said, so he hands him the plate. He's in there, just been looking out for, looking for animals. Samuel sets the special plate, the prize plate, the prize hors d'oeuvre, the best part of the meat for him. And he said, here is what has been kept for you. Here is what has been kept for you. And I felt like God was saying to you, sisterhood, I need you to know I have something that has been kept for you. So do not settle, do not shrink back, because I have something set aside. Yes, you can clap for that, he has kept something for you. He has kept something for your family, he has kept something for your future, he has kept something for your business, he has kept something apart for your school year. So the cook took the thigh up, which was on it, and set it in front of Saul. Samuel said, here is what has been kept for you. Eat, because it was set aside for you for this occasion, from the time I said I've invited guests. And this part jumped out at me, because it was set aside for you. God has peace set aside from you. God has joy set aside for you. God has breakthrough set aside for you. God has promises set aside for you. God has freedom from mental health set aside for you. God has healing set aside for you. God has new friendships as you step into the school year set aside for you. God has breakthrough set aside for your family. God has wisdom for the mom of a teenager who feels like anything I say just falls under the ground and my teenager doesn't believe me and I have their best interest in 
mind. God has wisdom set aside for you. He's prepared a table for you, just like he did for Saul. He said, sit right by me, just like he did for Saul. He said, I have something that's been kept for you for this very occasion. Verse 26, so they rose about daybreak. Samuel called to Saul and said, get ready. And I feel like God is saying, get ready, girls. So they're going together. Verse 27, he said, get dressed. You can read it later. And he said, get ready. Verse 27, as they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go ahead of us. And this servant did so. But you stay here for a while so that I may give you a message from God. And in a little bit, we're gonna worship some more. And I feel like as you worship, God is saying, just stay here for a while. Just stay in my presence because I'm gonna give you a message. Just like he gave a message to Saul, he's gonna give a message to you. He's gonna give you strategy for your business. He's gonna give you breakthrough and an answer to how to parent on, on this day and age. He's gonna give you strategy for your family, for your future, for your mindset. He's gonna sync up something, something that's just been stuck, that's just felt murky and not clear. Something's gonna click into motion. You're gonna have clarity again because you're gonna get a message from God. And then verse 10, it says, then Samuel took a flask of oil and I just see God just pouring oil on each and every one of you at home and in this room. He's pouring oil all over you. And he poured it on Saul's head and kissed him saying, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? And underline the word inheritance because God has an inheritance for you. And just like when somebody passes away, sometimes there's a reading of the will and the family's sitting there hoping that their name is called, hoping that that family member left something for them. And God's girls, God has a holy inheritance for you. You are an heiress. You're an heiress. You're a royal daughter and he has left great things for you. He has left peace. He has left grace. He's left joy. He's left strength. You have an inheritance. So you don't need to sit in the back. You don't need to squander. You don't need to suffer. You don't need to think I'm not good enough. You don't need to stress out and think I don't have the right thing to wear. Guess what you do because he's dressing you in royal garments. Guess what you do because he has a call of God on your life. Guess what you do? The inheritance is for you. It's for all of us. It's not just for the girls that you think are popular. It's not just for the people that seem successful. It's not just for the people who smile. You can have an inheritance when you feel heavy. You can have an inheritance when you feel light. But God has some business that he wants to do with us tonight. And I want y'all to stand. Because as I was praying and thinking about this moment, there's something about gratitude. There's something about gratitude that ushers in the presence of God. There's something about when you stop to say, I'm thankful. Thankful that you woke me up. Thankful that I'm in a church like this. Thankful that I'm surrounded. Thankful that I'm not alone. Thankful that even before the breakthrough happens. Thankful before the miracle happens. Thankful in the midst of my joy. Thankful in the midst of my pain. That I'm gonna be grateful because when you're grateful, it just gets your perspective right. When you take a moment to think about what you are thankful for, it centers you. 
Because there's so many times that we can think, well, I don't have this and you don't know about this and this is consuming me. But I feel like as this atmosphere, when we fill this room with gratefulness, gratefulness that God brought us here tonight online and in the rooms, grateful for an amazing church like this, grateful for a sisterhood, grateful that we're not alone, grateful that we're seen, grateful that we're not forgotten. When we throw up our hands and I say, God, I'm so thankful that you called me. I'm so thankful that you saved me when I was 18 years old. I'm so thankful that I went from guy to guy to guy. You found me, you picked me up. You taught me that I was loved, valued, and believed in. You taught me that I didn't need to settle. You taught me what healthy marriage looked like even though I was brought up in a single home. You had women pursue me. You had women pray for me. You sent women like Pastor Debbie in my life who speaks life over me. You sent me to DFL to see a conference that lifts up the name of Jesus. I'm grateful. I throw up my hands and I say I'm grateful. I have gratitude. You throw up your hands and you praise God and you thank Him that He hasn't forgotten you. You thank Him that He brought you here tonight, that He picked you up and that He has a plan. And as we sing, let's fill this room with gratitude. Let's lift up our hands. Come on, yes, yes. Clap! 